Welcome to the 10 Loans a Month podcast, where mortgage brokers become business owners. And now, your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation. So we'll jump right into today's session. So I'm doing a series right now, what I'm calling the Science of Brokering, or SOB for short. And I'm taking a principle from psychology or sociology and showing you how you can apply this information to your mortgage business. Because, hey, otherwise, it's kind of like, yeah, that's great, Scott. You know, I'm a bit of a nerd about these things. And I love understanding how humans behave and we're predictable in a lot of ways. But I also am like, it's not just information for the sake of information. It's like, how do I make my business better? And so today's tactic that I'm going to share with you is, as I've said before, as a guy who you know suffers from ADD and focus issues, has been absolutely game changing in terms of time management. So I'm excited to share that. But before before we do that, let's talk about this whole idea of the planning fallacy. Where did it come from? Who noticed this, that us humans do it? And so there's a couple researchers, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, the usual spelling. These are two behavioral economics professors who like to study you know, people and behavior. And they came up with this concept of the planning fallacy. And what they said is that people tend to rely largely on intuitive judgments that are often inaccurate. So when we're predicting things, especially future things, we assume, oh, it's not going to take that long. I know that the hike says it's going to be four hours. I'm going to do it in three. I do this to my wife all the time. I make her nuts. Or, hey, it's supposed to cost this much. It won't cost that much. It'll cost less. And so we chronically do this and it's systematic and so it's so systematic in fact that they've actually said there's a pattern here this is a normal human thing and so we are all susceptible to this and the crazy part is even if it's a task we've done before so it's something like let's say putting together a piece of ikea furniture and it says it's going to take an hour you're like no no not me i'm great with this stuff it'll take me 20 minutes well sure enough 55 minutes later you finally have it put together and you go huh interesting or an hour and a half later but in any case, we tend to do this. And so the researchers believe this happens for a couple of reasons. One, we tend to ignore distributional data. So it's a big fancy word for it. We just don't look at outside information. We just trust our gut and we go intuitively. I feel like this is going to take this much time. You know, last year we had a flood. So we had a pipe break and I got up at six in the morning as I usually do and come downstairs and I can hear this like, whoosh, sounds like wind blowing. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And so I go down into the downstairs into the basement. Our kids are down there. The floor is literally covered. The entire basement, 2,200 square feet, six inches of water everywhere. And so I go in. No kid is woken up. They're all sleeping like soundly like babies. We've got a dog that sleeps on my son's bed. The dog would not get off the bed, of course, because the dog's like, I don't want to get wet. So I figure out where this leak comes. A pipe had broken in the middle of the night. And of course, she's ran all night long and our kids did not wake up at all. Nothing. So nobody got up and put their foot in the cold water and realized that there was an issue. So at 6 a.m., I shut off the water, call a restoration company. They come and start doing all the cleanup. Of course, insurance comes, says, yep, you got a legitimate claim and $50,000 of damage that they did to our basement. So my wife and I are like, hey, well, maybe this is the time to do a renovation. We had a big flood. They're going to give us 50 grand. So in my mind, you know, this goes back to the planning fallacy. I'm going to assume that this renovation is going to cost 100 grand. We're going to make it nice, put in these things that we want to do, make it way better, new windows, yada, yada. And so lo and behold, you know, it took longer than expected. That's pretty normal. But then it ended up coming close to like 135, 140,000. So I was off by 35 to $40,000. And this happens all the time. My wife jokes, I always say it's going to take half as long and cost half as much. Of course, it's never the case. It's always more. And so this is a perfect example of the planning fallacy. I did not check any data. I just basically came up with what I felt like was the right number and thought it would be more than reasonable. And then, of course, it wasn't. So another heuristic, so these are these mental shortcuts that we take, plays into this, and it's called anchoring. And so the first piece of information that we have, we tend to weigh more importantly. So 
if the first piece of data, the price in my mind is 100 grand, every time we were going over, I'm getting kind of annoyed, even though we got an amazing contractor. And even though the final product was amazing, I'm kind of getting annoyed. And I'm sort of like, oh, my gosh, like, because in my mind, I had this unrealistic expectation that it was going to be a certain amount. And so part of this is because we have this optimism bias. So we have this bias towards optimism, which is actually good, you know, because I think as a species, we need to have an optimism that things are going to work out. Otherwise, we wouldn't try a lot of things. However, this optimism bias leads us to underestimate the time, the costs and the risks of these future actions. And so we have to pay attention to this, right? Perfect example of this is the Sydney Opera House. So originally, you've probably seen pictures of this amazing building and, you know, the Sydney Opera House. And originally, it was going to cost $7 million to build. Well, it was 10 years past and it cost a $102 million. That is a significant, you know, planning fallacy there. It's like, oh, yeah, $7 million, it's going to be done. And of course, it was $102 million. And there's tons of examples of this. And I'm sure that if you look at your own life, you know, you probably have this happen to you as well. So basically, why this happens is because we have a bias towards optimism, especially where our own abilities are concerned. And we don't pay attention to that data. So we're not paying attention to it. And past times that we've done this task, we actually don't even look at that. We don't, last time it took me an hour, you know, my brother and I used to go hiking all the time and we'd see a hike and take four hours return. And we'd look and be like, okay, it's three hours till dark. We'll be fine. Four hours is for slow people. Of course, you know, and this happened to us multiple times. So this wasn't a one-time thing. And this was before we had lights on our phone. So you didn't even have that. We're like running out of the forest before it's pitch black and we trip over stumps because we had assumed that it was only going to take three hours when it took three and a half or it took us the full four hours, right? And so this kind of thing pops up all the time. So okay, great, Scott, I understand there's a planning fallacy that we're all susceptible to. It's very common. So what does this got to do with my mortgage business? And how can I use this data to make a better business? And so I want to talk about a couple tactics on this. So first, one of the challenges I see with mortgage brokers is time management. And one of the reasons for that is that we actually have a planning fallacy. We assume that things are going to be quicker. Oh, this file is only going to take an hour. It takes two. Oh, you know, this meeting that I'm going to go to is only going to be 30 minutes. It turns into 45 minutes or an hour. So we're always making these little mini errors in judgment of time. And so we're always feeling like we have a time famine. And so I have tons of reading and research and even been coached on time management, different strategies. And I have stumbled into one that has absolutely worked for me. And I want to share that with you now. So one of our coaches, Lori Snowden, she was talking to me about how she breaks her day into quarters. And I was like, go on, tell me more. She was basically, I break my day into these quarters. And then either I win the quarter or I don't. Quarter goes well. And if I don't, if the quarter's not going well, I just get up, walk over from my desk, have a cup of tea, reset, refresh. And then I know the next quarter starting and I can get started on that next quarter. And I was like, Lori, this is absolutely amazing. I love, love, love what you're saying to me as a guy who loves football. I'm like, this makes sense to me. If you look at good football teams, you know, you can lose a quarter and then they reset, they come back and they win the next three quarters. And so you don't get frustrated. One of the things they said about when it comes to making these predictions on how much time things were going to take, the shorter the time that we were predicting, the more accurate we were. So research says that if we're trying to predict, you know, how long something's going to take, if it's multiple weeks, we're very inaccurate. But if it's like three hours, I can predict what I can get done in three hours much more accurately than what I can get done the next three weeks or three months. And so by breaking your day into these chunks, these quarters, it made it way more effective for me. The other thing that I do is so I basically mine goes from eight to 11. That's my first quarter, the second quarter is 11 to two, two to five and five to eight. So I even got a quarter in the evening when it's family time. And I could be going for a run with my daughter going to the gym with my son, whatever that looks like. So I'm basically break my day up a couple of insights that come I put three things in for each quarter. So I'll look at my calendar in the morning and I'll be like, Oh, I got a meeting with Bob. So that's got to go as one of my things or I got a podcast recording, whatever that's going to be an hour, 35 minutes. So that goes into one of my top three and then I can make a top three for the second quarter, the third quarter and the fourth quarter. And then at the bottom, I have a list of all the things that are on my to do's eventually. And if I happen to completely crush the quarter, you know, the eight to 11, I'm like, 
sweetness, get a little mini dopamine hit, check the boxes, go down, grab something from the below that list, put it on there and bang that off as well. And the other thing that I do is I have a pregame. So my pregame is between when I get up at 6 to 8 a.m., which is my morning routine, my mindset stuff that I do every single day. I go through all that. I plan out my day and then I hit the ground running at 8 a.m. Just like a football team doesn't just show up to the stadium, walk out on the field, kick the ball and go. They have a warm up. You need a warm up for your day. And I think, you know, having a mindset or a pregame routine is absolutely critical. So I have this baked in, got my mindset, my morning routine. My pregame is the same every day. Then I go into planning my quarters and then I execute on my day. I don't think yet since I've done this, have I ever maybe once or twice have I gotten everything on my list. However, I'm way more productive. I'm way more focused again with the ADD that I have and all over the place. I'm able to be like, okay, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Sometimes I get distracted. I'll be on Facebook. like, Oh, what is over this pretty thing over here? And then I'll be like, oh crap, I'll go back, look at my list, right? These are my top three things, get on those. So it keeps me on track. The time is short. And if I have a bad quarter, so instead of the whole day being a write-off, like your entire day is shot because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm off track. I got this meeting, this blew up. You can just do a quick reset and on to the next quarter. Another insight that I had is that I found that I was losing the fourth quarter a lot. So the fourth quarter was a family time. I'd come home, I'd have no energy. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm so tired or whatever. And just like the Atlanta Falcons, no offense if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, they tend to choke in the fourth quarter. I saw myself you know, choking in the fourth quarter. And so now I'm working on improving that. That was one of the other benefits. And then the last benefit is that I've actually even applied this to my weekends. And so my weekends have different things like clean the car, you know, go for a run, whatever. And man, I tell you, my weekends are so much more stress-free. Go on a date with my wife, whatever that looks like. It's literally, I break my day into quarters and it's been absolutely awesome to do. So we'll wrap this whole thing up. So the planning fallacy says that we tend to underestimate how much time something's going to take, how much it's going to cost. And because of this, it leads to stress and stress in our time management, stress in how we run our mortgage business. And a very simple tactic that you can apply to help you with this is break your day into quarters. You don't have to use the same time frame as me. Break it into quarters, focus on the priorities for that quarter only. You don't have to worry about anything else. If you get it done, move on to the next one. And then finally, you know, use this as a framework for even that goes in your evening and then after eight so i talked about the big pre-game is the, you know before eight after eight it's kind of like my post game i can do what i want i can chill out watch a movie you know read a book whatever have a glass of wine that's my like hey it's post game life's good and i absolutely love this concept so give it a go i'd love to hear how it works for you shoot me an email if you apply this i guarantee if you try it for a week you'll be hooked just like i was and if you're listening to this if you're an experienced mortgage broker and you'll be like hey scott like how else can you help me like this is just really the tip of the iceberg getting the time management sorted but go to 10loansamonth.com and you can get on the wait list for the next time that we open up our academy. So our academy has some amazing coaches. We're going to help you get your business dialed in, scalable. But the academy is for people that are making a minimum of 100K a year, 100 to 600. If you're over 600, then based on availability, I do some one-on-one -on -one consulting with mortgage brokers that are doing that. And those are a lot of fun too. If you're new, if you're listening to this, go, okay, I'm Brian New Scott. I'm not doing that yet. Then go check out get10funded.com. That is our brokerage. And so we started a brokerage called Island B Mortgage Pros with the goal of helping new agents find and fund their first 10 deals. And one of the cool things we built is when you start our program, you have a hundred days of, we tell you exactly what to do every day. So we're like, do this, this, and this. And the goal at the end of that hundred days is to have you have found 10 mortgage applications. And the agents that we've been working with right now that have been going through this have been loving it. It's very specific. You're not going to get distracted on things that don't matter. It's not easy. I'm not going to pretend that it's, but it is absolutely worth it. So if that's something you're interested in, go to get10funded.com. We walk you through how our whole brokerage works and how we can help you. And thanks again for checking out this episode. The next episode, I'm going to talk about motivation. And in particular, I'm going to talk about how to borrow motivation. So if you're not feeling motivated, particularly, what can you do about that? That's going to come up in the next episode. Thanks again. And we'll be talking to you guys soon.
This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.